Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On Primetime Politics Tonight, the Prime Minister faces more questions about Canada's vaccine supply as provinces deal with shortages and Europe considers controls on exports of vaccines. What could that mean for Canada? MPs will debate the federal government's ongoing COVID response and will get a reality check from an infectious disease expert. COVID-19, more revelations about the troubled tenure of the former Governor General and ongoing election speculation. Lots to cover with our panel of parliamentary journalists. And we'll begin tonight with the ongoing concerns about the reliability of the supply of COVID-19 vaccines for this country. The Prime Minister told the House of Commons today he has been assured by the President of the European Union that vaccine export controls in Europe will not affect Canada's supplies of vaccines from that continent. In the House of Commons today, opposition parties accused the Prime Minister of failing Canadians on vaccines as the Prime Minister sought to reassure them. Mr. Speaker, we now know the government's first vaccine deal with Chinese pharmaceutical giant CanSino fell apart almost immediately after the Prime Minister announced it. It only took a week for the Chinese state to stop the necessary material from being exported to Canada so research and production could happen. It was the only leading vaccine that the Liberal government was pushing to be made in Canada. Why did it take the government three months to admit that the CanSino deal had fallen apart? Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, from the very beginning, we knew that uh, signing deals for vaccines with as many different companies as possible uh, was going to be the best way of ensuring that Canadians made it through this pandemic. Uh, that's exactly what we did. We signed a record number of vaccine deals with potential vaccine makers, and that's why we now have more vaccine doses potentially per person than anyone else. Yes, uh, we cast the net very wide. Some of the deals didn't work out, including the CanSino, uh, but we secured doses early doses for Canadians through the deals we did agree to. Well, let's bring in three MPs to discuss the concerns about the vaccine supply in Canada. Steve McKinnon is a Quebec Liberal MP and the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Procurement. Uh, she, of course, is heading up Canada's purchase of vaccine. John Barlow is an Alberta Conservative MP and a member of the Standing Committee on Health. And Don Davies is a British Columbian and Democrat MP and his party's health critic. Good to see you all, gentlemen. Steve McKinnon, let me start with you. The Prime Minister says he's received assurances today from the President of the European Union that when it implements export controls on vaccines, the vaccine supply to Canada will not be affected. But we're starting to see, a, I think, a greater display of vaccine nationalism. And since Canada doesn't uh, produce any COVID vaccines of its own, uh, that could become a huge problem. How concerned should we be? Well, this is, uh, in fact, a validation, Peter, of our strategy of diversifying not only vaccine suppliers, but within those suppliers, the point of origin of uh, their manufacture. So um, we feel very confident in the agreements that we've struck. Uh, the Pfizer, of course, uh, has uh, encountered a temporary delay, but we'll be right back on track with all of the doses that we've ordered for Q1. Moderna, of course, continues. And uh, with uh, any uh, luck, uh, it's not even luck, it's just science. Uh, we'll have other vaccines approved as well. And uh, I think this strategy of 
um, diversifying our vaccine supply will work out quite well. Okay, Mr. Barlow, how reassured are you by the Prime Minister's reassurances that delay, the delays in vaccine shipments, they're just temporary? And what more do you think the government could be doing now to get more vaccines? Well, I, I'm not reassured, and, and we've certainly seen, um, you know, that you can't treat this like you're ordering something on Amazon. You know, I can make a, a whole bunch of orders on Amazon, but if, if something's not in stock, it doesn't matter how many orders I make. Uh, the fact is you've got to deliver on that product. And we have certainly seen when uh, provinces are running out of vaccines and zero vaccines are being delivered this week, um, that is not reassuring by any stretch of the imagination. That means frontline healthcare workers, our seniors, uh, people living in long-term care facilities are not being vaccinated. And I think there are some solutions. Uh, I, I spoke about it in my speech last night. We have two Canadian companies, uh, Providence Therapeutics and Soulstar Pharma, who last spring approached the Liberal government. They, they had the technology, one is an antiviral, one is a vaccine, looking for support. They got zero response from the Liberal government, had to go elsewhere. Uh, Soulstar Pharma is now part of Operation Warp Speed in the United States, fully funded uh, with Scripps Research in San Diego. Soulstar is now uh, working with a Japanese Japanese company to process uh, to uh, to develop theirs and and um, we saw Providence Therapeutics but, 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 but that's, that's so. looking backward to some extent you're saying had the government jumped no, on this but, last but March no, you, it, you think they could be producing it's not today too late. yeah sure it's not too late those companies have said had they had that response uh, that that support uh, they would have been able to accelerate their process they can still okay. do that the Liberals could still step up and help these companies, Canadian companies, to be part of the solution to develop okay. and manufacture these products here. Mr. Davies, the Prime Minister says bumps in the road and delays were bound to, to happen, but we'll get the vaccines we need. Uh, what more do you believe the government could be doing right now to get more vaccines? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I do still think, though, that accountability is important. And in order to know what to do going forward, we have to have a good grip on the mistakes that have been made. And, you know, I think the present situation, despite Steve's, you know, soothing words of, of comfort, um, the reality is there for all to see. Canada is 16th in the world in terms of vaccinating our population. Uh, you know, we were told that Canada would suffer the same reduction in Pfizer vaccine reductions as every other country in Europe. That's not the case. Um, and now, of course, we're seeing alarming vaccine export controls out of Europe. And there was an alarming report that just came in the last hour from The Economist, uh, uh, unit in the UK that's suggesting that Canada won't get vaccines to everybody until mid-2022. So we have a lot of problems. This illustrates the problem of relying on imports and other countries for production of, of essential medicines. Right. And, you know, John's talking about mistakes made. Well, it was the Mulroney government in the 80s that sold off Connaught Labs, our crown corporation. We have to get back to having a strong domestic vaccine production and essential medicine we're, we're not good that's uh, not we're not in this country yeah. and that's what we should do now i do agree with john uh water under the bridge perhaps but it's not too late to start supporting providence therapeutics and other country companies like them so that we can start attacking this problem now there's a lot of moving targets in this story on a, on a daily basis steve mckinnon you know pfizer is now calling on health canada to extract six doses from each vial of vaccine instead of five and that would allow pfizer to ship 6.7 million vials to Canada to meet its overall commitment of 40 million doses instead of 8 million vials, fewer uh, doses. But uh, one of the things we know is that you know, to administer the six doses, you need these specialized smaller syringes to extract the doses. Canada doesn't have enough of those. What's the procurement department in this country doing about that? 
Well, let me just address perhaps your, your larger point first. Peter, if you wish to find something to be worried about every day, you can. Certainly, there are uh, multiple networks, multiple outlets in all every country in the world. This is the biggest story in the world. It is a worldwide race to vaccinate our citizens. Canada has established itself very firmly with among the most doses from the largest variety of sources that it is possible to have. And people should be very reassured by that. There will be bumps in the road, of course. Right, but but the what I'm asking here is take, Pfizer is saying, uh, look, no, you, I'm, I'm getting yeah, to your vial. Okay, could you please? Uh, but uh, the opposition will indeed find something every day to criticize. And we'll just be as reassuring as we can every day. Now, on the vial question, that is, in fact, a regulatory issue. Health Canada will have to weigh in and opine on whether a vial can be, in fact, uh, legitimately labeled as a six-dose vial mm -hmm. instead of a five-dose vial, which is what it currently is. Right. The, Ameri yes, the indeed, Americans have said yes, and so have the Europeans. So they're getting more doses per vial. Indeed. Well, no, the, the same vials come to Canada, just to be clear. Right, but they're getting um, sick. They're making a point of saying that Pfizer's saying that this can give you six doses. The Americans and the Europeans have agreed they, they can yes. label it that way. We're still waiting right. for Health Canada. And, and Canada has an independent regulator, and we will be, uh, we pay by the dose of uh, Pfizer. So this is obviously a, a, cons a, a material question. But uh, this is for the regulator to decide. It's certainly not a political discussion. And uh, not in any event, uh, the Pfizer doses that we've contracted for will be coming to Canada, and we will be vaccinating our citizens with it. Right. And, Mr. Uh, uh, we oh, Mr. Barlow, let me hear you on this. Uh, you know, does that sound, I mean, how quickly do, is this something you think Health Canada needs to say yes to if the Americans and Europeans have said, we need to be able to get more doses out of each vial? I think that this is kind of highlights one of the problems that we've had. That we're, we always seem to be a step or two behind with with all of these issues. Uh, you know, whether it's harmonization of regulations or some of these things. But but yes, why are we? Why is Health Canada always the last uh, to green light some of these we, things? We the, I'm not we saying second, we. I'm not saying we, we cut. I'm not saying we're cutting corners. The you know, Stephen, I didn't say. We I didn't say a word when you had your. Hang on, hang on, Mr. Okay, Mr. McKinnon, hang on. Go ahead, Mr. Barlow, quickly, no, and then Mr. Davies. We're not a step. That's just that's just the fact. Yes, you are. Yes, you are a step behind. The United States and the United Kingdom have approved rapid testing and home-based testing, but you have not. They've had made these decisions on the Pfizer vaccine. You have not. So don't tell me that you're always in line with everything else, because that's simply not true. And the misinformation that's coming from your government every day is what's causing this mistrust with Canadians. When you have a high-level Liberal MP on national television say, well, you're not going to have these vaccines by next September, they're 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 yeah. they're dependent on these other ones being approved and then backing that off. Like, where does he get that comment from if there's no basis to it? All right. That's Mr. the frustration. Mr. Davies, let me hear you on this and, and uh, what Pfizer is now asking Health Canada to do about these vials. Well, I think it just underscores uh, the, the, the basic point here that despite the government's rhetoric and, you know, I'm quite shocked that Mr. McKinnon keeps telling us not to worry. Are we kidding? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Of course, Canadians are worried. Our economy and our health is dependent on this. And, and of course, we are very concerned. The, the truth is, is that if we're in a race, as Mr. McKinnon says we are, well, we're 16th in the race. And uh, here we are having a discussion about rationing uh, doses and trying to squeeze a final dose out of a vial. Uh, and yet he tells us that we're the best in the world. You know, not to worry. We're number one. Well, we're not. Okay. And, you know, we have teachers, frontline healthcare workers, first responders who can't get access to a vaccine because provinces are being forced 
to uh, to ration the doses that they have. There's provinces that are ready to vaccinate and they don't have enough doses. Right, gonna... It's the federal government's sole responsibility All right, well... to make sure that we have sufficient <laughs> doses of vaccine. And they have failed in that. All right, we're going to do that. Sorry, Mr. And, Davies, we're, and, we're at so it. So they could be confident all they want, but the proof's in the pudding, and we're not doing well. And all right, we're going to we need to do better we're because have, we're in a we're in a serious scourge right now, and we have variants occurring in this country at the same time. All right, Mr. So, Davies, got to so leave it there. We need stronger policy. All right, we have to leave it there, gentlemen. Uh, there, but lots more to talk about this, I'm sure, as we uh, see what happens to the vaccine supply in the days ahead. But thank you all for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Well, let's get a reality check on the latest COVID-19 developments with Dr. Lisa Barrett, an infectious disease specialist with the Nova Scotia Health Authority and Dalhousie University. Dr. Barrett, uh, thanks for taking time to speak with me tonight. Appreciate it. Oh, nice to be here. As you watch the debate unfold in this country over the vaccine supply, and uh, I guess what questions or concerns do you, do you have as this, this debate continues to percolate in Canada? Yeah, I, I, I think this is not a... Canadian-only problem. It's both Canada and other areas. We've taken a vaccine that didn't exist mere months ago and asked several companies to supply the world. So I don't know about anyone else, and I'm not a business person, but it doesn't shock me that it's taking a little bit of time exactly right now to ramp things up. And given that we don't have a lot of our own biomanufacturing capacity in Canada, also not shocking that we may be slightly later than some other countries that have their own capacity. Um, the good news is there's more than one supplier. The better news is there are more vaccines coming. And I think we can use this slight pause to really make sure that we're very ready to go the minute we get more doses of vaccine to do huge rollouts in very meaningful and innovative ways. Let's talk about Pfizer for a moment here. It's, it's now calling on Health Canada to label the Pfizer vials to say that each one contains six doses, not five. Uh, specialized syringes are required to extract the extra doses, and those specialized syringes are, uh, are, are in a bit of a low supply. The U.S. and the Europeans have already accepted the six-dose claim by Pfizer, and they're already ahead of Canada in, in purchasing these special smaller syringes to extract the six doses. And I guess, should we be wondering why Health Canada... Uh, wasn't doing this all along or what do you make of this most recent development on this yeah i think we have a very safe system in canada and there's often a very clear um, tendency to stick with the safest route forward which is once something is approved not to change too much about it without great reason so we are a little bit behind do i have concerns about using the sixth dose no i don't uh, it is going to take a while to find some of those extra syringes, uh, given the worldwide demand for them. Uh, but should we be using it? Absolutely. And it will have to be used at the time, given the manufacturing specifications for how you actually deal with the vaccine once it's thawed. So um, it is going to be a little bit more challenging. Do I think Health Canada should have been faster? It's a, a question I can't answer, but I certainly hope that... Uh, we're going to be learning a lot of lessons about how to move a little more quickly from a regulatory perspective over time. The European Union is poised to slip export controls on vaccines being shipped to other countries, such as Canada. Um, you know, we get the Pfizer vaccine from a plant in, in Belgium. And we, notwithstanding the, the fact the Prime Minister said in the House of Commons today that he's spoken to the European Health Minister and that he's been told that the whatever export control mechanism is put in place, it will not affect the shipments to Canada. But I'm, I'm, 
thinking sort of broader picture, AstraZeneca is warning now it's facing delays in delivering its vaccine, saying is contracts or not contracts, but best efforts. And I guess I'm wondering how concerned we should be about this international competition for vaccines and the ability for vaccine makers to deliver on their promises. Yeah, again, I think this has all come at warp speed for both private sector and for us. And we always knew that we were going to be at a slightly um, distinct disadvantage in some ways, given our local or national biomanufacturing challenges within our own borders. So again, not unexpected. Uh, hopefully that people do the right thing. You know, there's, there's examples of people acting from a global citizen corporate perspective and looking at different ways of licensing vaccines to be produced in other places by other companies as well. So I think that there's signs that there's a lot of uh, collaborative effort about to start. I hope that continues. And also it's a really good impetus not to forget that the Canadian pandemic preparedness efforts have concentrated on developing more biomanufacturing for the future. And I don't think we should forget that as we go forward. Prime Minister keeps saying that the travel restrictions will be coming to prevent non-essential travel. Some people argue that, look, there hasn't been significant spread of the virus from travel. Let me ask you, is there a strong case for trying to stop people from taking non-essential trips right now? Uh, yes. Uh, now, I will say I'm a little biased. I come from a part of the country where we very clearly recognize the challenges of non-essential travel for a long time. We've had 14-day uh, quarantine even for uh, people coming from outside from other provinces. So we've been very clear about that on the East Coast in Atlantic for quite a while. Uh, but as an infectious disease doctor, I've always felt pretty comfortable about that. This is a virus that travels and spreads a lot of the time when people don't have symptoms. And if you're coming from areas with not just variants that may spread more easily, but lots of virus, just the numbers tell you you're going to import virus. And if you don't have stricter travel restrictions and potentially quarantine restrictions, not just for uh, international travel, but domestic, you're gonna keep spreading virus from one area to another. Right. So as an infectious disease person, I'm pretty comfortable with additional travel restrictions right now. Just have a few seconds left here, but you're a big proponent of the use of rapid testing. The federal government has shipped out over uh, 15 million rapid test kits to the provinces, but only a small fraction are currently being used. Uh, there's some pilot projects here and there at local health units across the country. Uh, Nova Scotia, I should say, is one of the most active provinces in using rapid testing. Why has the take up across the country been so slow? Um, I think you have to ask the right question. You have to be in the right part of your pandemic. So meaning fairly controlled cases, we're using them to detect asymptomatic people who would otherwise not be uh, tested at all. And we had amazing buy-in from our premier's office and our chief public health officer. So um, it's a different shift. We're using non-medical professionals, so we don't stress our health system. That took a lot of faith at the beginning for them to believe in myself and Dr. Todd Hatchett, who was the person who uh, kind of proposed this. Um, so you need a little bit of trust, but now I don't think anyone needs any trust. You need to just start doing this in different places to augment all the other things that are needed as well. Vaccine, precautions, limited travel, quarantine, but testing helps. All right. Dr. Lisa Barrett, always good to get your perspective. Thanks again tonight. Thank you. 
Okay, let's bring in three colleagues now from the Parliamentary Press Gallery. Susan Delacorte, a columnist with the Toronto Star. Joël Denis Bellavance is the Parliamentary Bureau Chief for La Presse. And John Iveson's a columnist for the National Post and Parliamentary Bureau Chief for Post Media. Good to see you all again. Uh, look, let's start, Susan, with the latest on vaccines. The Prime Minister says he spoke to the President of the European Union today who promised Canada's supplies of vaccine won't be affected by export controls when they come for vaccines in Europe. Um, I, I guess I'm wondering how reassured... Canadians should be by those guarantees from the Prime Minister when I think you know, it seems a lot of Canadians are starting to feel especially vulnerable when it comes to the reliability of vaccines in this country. Yeah, if what MPs are asking in the House of Commons is any reflection of what Canadians are saying out there or what we're hearing anecdotally, I think this is the issue right now is uh, Canadians can see people in other countries getting vaccinations. Canadians sometimes are people in other countries getting vaccinations in the case of um, snowbirds in the United States. So um, I, I think th this is one that has just seemed to uh, escalate uh, day by day, and it there there is a theme. It fits almost with um, with Joe Biden's Buy America thing. We we are all vaccine nationalists now. We all mm -hmm. believe, or pandemic protectionists. We we all believe that uh, we've got to have homegrown solutions for this. And Trudeau, in his year-end interviews, was telling everyone that. That the government had taken a big lesson from the shortages on personal protective equipment, PPEs, and, and the panic that ensued during the first wave during that. The other part, I guess, sorry, finish. Go ahead, Susan. Yeah, and acted accordingly. But I, I think we are starting to see that same kind of panic or let's get out there and let's get these. This may, may, be, may alleviate when the vaccines start rolling again, yeah. but it's a really awkward time at the moment. Joel Denis, the other part of the narrative that, that I'm sort of detecting is, is the response of the Canadian government. It seems to be very Canadian. In Europe, political leaders there, they're openly blasting the vaccine companies for, for delays and talking about missing deadlines. Uh, is the Canadian government doing and saying enough? Well, you got to be uh, careful what kind of rapport de force you have with the companies. Uh, we don't have much of a rapport de force with Pfizer and Moderna. They will decide at the end of the day where the doses go. But I would say there's a new narrative that is coming out from some key ministers, I would say, namely the finance minister, Christian Freeland, this week. She mentioned that Canada is doing overall better than Japan and other G20 countries. So uh, they fear that this campaign, uh, vaccination campaign, uh, may have some problems. And if they have some problems, uh, it may affect the government's popularity. So mm. a lot of the uh, future of this government rides on the rollout of the vaccine. We're going through some difficult uh, days and weeks, but they're confident that by the end of March, we'll have the doses expected from uh, Pfizer, 4 million doses, and uh, the doses expected from Moderna, 2 million doses. And so that by the end of March, 3 million people in Canada should be vaccinated. Right. They're crossing their finger that this will be the case. John, that's uh, you know how much risk is there in that? Because that's that's the constant refrain from the government is they want to take it away from what's happening today and talk about how great it's going to be at the end of March. Right. I think I think Justin Trudeau has staked his credibility on that six million number by the end of March, and obviously everybody who wants one getting a vaccination by the end of September. Um, there is a problem, though, and, it, and I think, you know, really the vaccine is the ball game right now, politically. Um, Canadians are seeing the, uh, the sliding down the league table of countries. 
you know, if, if Christian Freeland's talking about Japan, which you, you know, some of them were last week, we're talking about Germany. Well, Germany has overtaken us. So is Italy. So is, you know, the UK and the US have been miles ahead for a little while. And I do think that conditions public expectations. And the public is expecting uh, more vaccine to flow. I mean, I looked at the number from Sunday. It was 15,000 doses were administered, which we're never going to get anywhere if it stays at that level. Now, the saving grace for the government is that it's not going to stay at that level. And in fact, one of Anita Anand's, the procurement minister's projections was that 23 million Canadians would be vaccinated by the end of June. Now, that is when you include va uh, vaccines that have not yet been approved. Right. And we know that Johnson & Johnson is going to submit paperwork next week. And it seems to me that the government is expecting some pretty good news in the near future if they think that they can get to 23 million people by the end of June. All right, uh, JD. Let's let's pivot here. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the latest developments with the uh, former governor general. Um, now uh, hearing allegations uh, from former staff that include unwanted physical contact that made some staff feel threatened. Uh, how quickly does Justin Trudeau need to move to to appoint a new GG, and and uh, how important is it that he has the right process for doing that? Well, it is critical for the government to appoint somebody that would take the story of Madame Payette away from the headlines. And that's a key calculation from the government. Not only that, but also we have a minority government and the governor general is will be called upon maybe to dissolve parliament in, in the next few weeks. And some are not very you know comfortable uh, that we may have the chief justice of Canada, Richard Bagnard, uh, be in charge of that process. Mm -hmm. So they want to keep that separate. So I think there's some urgency. Also because the report, the report may be redacted, but the report on the toxic environment that took place in Rideau Hall will be probably um, released this week, I'm told. So the more bad news probably will be coming up because we'll have the details without the names attached to it, but the details of what happened at Rideau Hall. Right. But how quickly can he move, Susan? It's hard to think that he could try and appoint somebody with a reasonable process ahead of the rest of the, the information that's going to come out from this report when it's made public. But he needs to move quickly, right? Yeah, you said the key words, though, reasonable process. And I think uh, the reason that this has rebounded on, on the Prime Minister is that the process wasn't good in the first place. Uh, we, we, are, we, we learned very quickly after she was appointed that it wasn't that great a process of vetting. Uh, and now the, the consequences, this is just a horrible story. Um, I think he does have to, he has the very least to resurrect the kind of committee that chose David Johnson, the kind of the governor general that came before. And uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that the opposition in this odd time should uh, should have some kind of say. Uh, it, it, it is too important. And this story is too dreadful. Yeah, John, what are your thoughts here? It's, it, it was, it's always interesting to, to look at this in, in hindsight and say, uh, had the process, the previous process been followed, uh, he'd almost be able to wash his hands of this story, right? Because he could have said, look, she was recommended to me by others. But that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, it was it was almost a case of, uh, if Stephen Harper did this, then I'll do the opposite. It was Seinfeldian to some extent. Um, and yet that process had produced David Johnson, who was the best GG we had in recent history. So, uh, yeah, I think Susan's right. It would be great if we could go back to that process. I'm ju I just wonder whether there is time to do that, given the other constraints that we were just talking about, the, the prospect of a looming election. You know, work was done on this issue. The Privy Council Office had been working on specifically an Aboriginal uh, Indigenous person as the next GG, and they, and they were well on their way to making a recommendation when 
you know, the, the bright, shiny object of uh, Julie Payette appeared and, and uh, bedazzled Trudeau and all of his advisors. Uh, presumably, some of that work is still pertinent, and maybe they can go back to it pretty quickly. All right. Uh, uh, very quickly, we only got about 15 seconds each. Uh, Susan, are we going to have a spring election? Uh, I think it's in, inextricably tied to the rollout of vaccines. And if there aren't, I don't know what herd immunity is required for election uh, to take place, but it, it, not until there's enough, uh, not not uh, in the near future. Okay. I, wouldn't, I think most of the herd would have to agree they want an election, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel Denis, yes, no? I, I think we will have an election. Uh, you know, spring it goes until... Uh, June 20th, if I may say. And the uh, electoral calendar is pretty busy this fall. We've got municipal elections in Ontario and in Quebec. Those big provinces are critical for the Liberal Party. So the best window for them is going to the spring. Uh, John, final thought from you. Yeah, I mean, even at the moment, amidst all this vaccine stuff, the, the Liberals are still at 35% in the latest polls. So it is to their advantage to go. I would say that there is a potential for an Auditor General's report in the spring to uh, derail some of those election plans, and it's pretty bad on the spending and even on the vaccine front. But, uh, yeah, I could see a spring election if the vaccine rolls out and we get 23 billion people vaccinated by the end of June. All right, we'll uh, keep our eye on it. Thank you all for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank Thank you, Peter. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics on CPAC. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching. See you next time.